The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Oh, it's a, yeah, Jekyll and Hyde type of game. Um, uh, the first quarter is the, the most disappointing part of today. The last quarter, um, game was up for grabs. I thought we spent a lot of energy getting back into the game. But the first quarter, we, you know, we knew what they were going to bring. And they're a very honest side, Carlton. It's contest-driven, stoppage. Um, but we, we gave them four or five goals from turnovers. We probably got caught up in going a little bit too quick. But I thought they were, they were brutal in the first quarter around the ball, and we overused it a tiny bit. So going into the last quarter, uh, 10 points down, you know, game up for grabs. Yeah, we were really disappointed how we just, just we couldn't defend. Um, the Blues were the, what they were doing with the ball, and then the contest and clearances took over. So that, that was really disappointing. But the, the first quarter was the, the part that, you know, we can't accept. We've got to get better than that. Mm. Saying that, you're down by 34 points at quarter time. It was a 10-point differential at three-quarter time. You'd think, and Adam Simpson, we're going to leave the Eagles in a moment because we need to get onto the Fremantle Dockers because that was a huge effort on the weekend. And you'll hear from Justin Longmuir. You think you spent a lot of your tickets getting to 10 points behind at three-quarter time, but you had a bit of momentum and you're at home. And there was 43,000 there, even though there was probably about 10,000 Carlton fans. You'd think you'd try and get up. In the end, to not score at all in that final term was just a real blight on the club. I thought it was very poor. Couldn't believe it. And they they got so easy goals, did Carlton, in that final term. And, Adam, uh, it's more than disappointing. It's disgusting that that some of the stuff they're, they're putting up and some of the stuff that he's putting up in media conferences and not being queried on it. They were 17 points behind at three-quarter time, not 10. Mm-hmm. He said, we're 10 points down. They were 10 points down uh, at half time, And then Carlton just demolished West Coast around the ball. I, I thought the, the real monstering was more so in the last quarter when Carlton are finishing the game on. The, the fact that West Coast couldn't run that game out is another indicator of where their program is at. Their overall, their entire program, they're not fit. So they've exuded a lot of energy just getting back in the game in the second quarter, and then they struggle. And they're important players that are brave to be out there, even Natanui and Shuey, uh, that, that, Duggan. These boys aren't fit because of the programs they've been on for the last 10 months. Mm-hmm. They can't sustain efforts, second effort, third effort, fourth effort, go again, run back, get on the, get on the, get on the fly when we lose possession. An opposition side later in the games and later in the quarters against West Coast are just scoring and running the ball out too easily because West Coast aren't fit. But seven goals to nothing in the last term. So therefore, no score in the first quarter, no score in the third quarter, and only one goal in the third. That's more than a disappointing performance, Adam Simpson. Mm. Okay, let's move on to Fremantle. And uh, we've got a couple of uh, SMSs. You can join us on the Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Mike says, hi, Pete and Haggers. Frio need to sign and lock away Logue and Banfield. Great yeah. players. Schultz is such a gutsy player. Always gives 100%. When you look at the coaches' votes yesterday, Andrew Brayshaw got eight. Nat 5, 7, Will Brody 7, Lockie Schultz 4, Jordan Clark 2, and Rory Lobb picked up a vote yeah. as well. This is what Justin Longmuir had to say about throwing Nat 5 into the midfield yesterday. It was the big difference in the game. Yeah, we just, they out-hunted us um, in there and 
uh, you've been down that much at centre bounce. You just sort of starting your ball moving from the back half, and um, and yeah, ball moving from our D50 wasn't very good. So um, yeah, I, I don't think we we smashed them at centre bounce in um, the second half, but um, we're able to um, break even, which um, was probably all we needed. Yeah, an impressive performance on Saturday night at Marvel Stadium by the Dockers after half time. Well, they turned it around, didn't they? They slipped into overdrive uh, from half time. And uh, that was after St Kilda had been so dominant in that uh, stoppage and, and contested ball-winning areas. And particularly the centre clearances, I thought it was extraordinary, Pete, to turn it around from uh, St Kilda had won 10 centre clearances to Fremantle, just the two. Uh, and then uh, in steps Nathan Fife. That, that was a big moment in that game. He started the second half in that centre square at the centre circle and had a, a, a quick hand pass to play a part in winning that first clearance and, and Fremantle stormed down, and they're back in the game. And they, they, they kicked that goal at the two-minute mark of that second term. It was Lobb's second one. And it, it did signify a different uh, sort of d- dimension to, to Fremantle and certainly their emotions. They, they got their running game going. For it. Gee, they're an imposing side when they run and, and create from around the mm. congestion, but particularly behind the congestion. Because in the end, I didn't think uh, that the numbers were, 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 were that different, really. The overall contested possessions, 69 to 74, uh, and, and, and also even all the, all the hit-outs, they all evened up into the second half because Darcy got better. Darcy wasn't good in the first half, particularly the first quarter. They just did all seem to lift. And on the back of some inspiration, perhaps during the halftime break, but the opening moments of the second half and away they went. And but another one too was was the, the turnaround in performance and, and the work ethic to get into the right positions to receive and then also to receive on the fly, on the break when, when they do spread and run was Andrew Brayshaw's game. And I thought he finished up, not, not, from, not at halftime, but certainly by the end of the match, I think he was clearly best on ground. What I then had some difficulty in coming up with would, would be other best on grounds, so Brayshaw three, so three Brownlow votes probably. Mm. I still don't know if he jumps into the front, Peter. I still don't know if he jumps into the front with my reckoning. He's very close to the top votes. But then you could go any one of these boys to be second best on ground, I reckon, and certainly second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth best uh, Fremantle players. Will Brody, 29 possessions. Hayden Young, isn't he becoming mm. consistent and reliable? Eight marks. Jordan Clark, I think, for the run he created, but the use of the ball, their efficiency was something like about 83% across the game and then 60% in front of goals. They're massive improvements in Fremantle overall. We wouldn't have said those things about Fremantle in the last two or three or four years even under Justin Longmuir or the end of uh, Ross Lyons' reign. But Nathan Fife, a contender for best player. Griffin Logue, Brennan Cox for his game on Max King. But Logue spent time on King as well. It seemed to depend a little bit on where King was. If he went up the ground, Logue seemed to go with mm. him. And certainly then Darcy or Rory Lobb. What have I got there? Two, four, six, eight. I've got nine or ten players contending for best players. And what has been the huge turnaround for Frio? They're in the game at half time. The difference was only eight points. So it was pretty close. Seven goals to six. But they turned it on in that third term. They kicked seven goals, four. And in the end, they kicked 111 points, 17-9. We, we look back at the Dockers of three years ago when they were struggling 
to kick 10, 12 goals in a match. Mm. Things have turned around. Mm. I know it's a different style of football they're playing as well, but they are hitting the scoreboard hags and they kick 17 goals. And in the end, St Kilda could only muss another three after the break. And they're doing it regularly now. 100 points is not out of the question for Fremantle on a week-to-week basis now. No, and it is. It's it, Another thing I, noted, I put into my notes during the match was Fremantle's zoning defence. They call it across the field. It's a field defence. But Fremantle, their defensive field zoning, it forced St Kilda in the second half to play very wide. And St Kilda, and also their their forward line defensive uh, strategies on the likes of Sinclair and Brad Hill, who who probably still had some numbers, reasonable numbers, but they didn't have the effect and the, and the efficiency to take the ball, get the ball, and then run it through the centre square toward their big forwards when St Kilda have been a bit threatening. And I, I think a bit exaggerated because I still don't feel strongly about St Kilda for a t- as a top six, top eight contender. But I wrote it down here. It forced St Kilda into playing slow and then Fremantle could get their numbers back. And uh, it forced them into very wide entry. And uh, and so all of St Kilda's early threat was stifled by what uh, Fremantle did seem to do to themselves during the course of the halftime break to reassert, reassess and, and, and reassert themselves because they controlled the game from then on. As you say, they kicked six unanswered goals in that third term, which turned into seven unanswered because I thought the lob goal uh, just before halftime, Peter, mm-hmm. was, was pretty telling. It was a poor free kick. It wasn't a free kick against Wilkie. Uh, it was called an arm chop, and he didn't even touch his arms, didn't touch his shoulders. He touched the ball in spoiling. It wasn't a free kick. However, it was important for Fremantle. A lot of things are going Fremantle's way this season. A lot of little things. But you make your own in. luck. You make your own luck, Hags, don't you? Oh. You make your own luck. That's what they say. That's, if you take it on, yeah, things can yeah, fall your way rather yeah, than yeah. waiting for things to happen. Well, I'm going to go through and I'll jot point down all the – a million little one percenters and small things that Fremantle have done on the back of what they did over the summer. Mm-hmm. They're fit and healthy. And even for this week, you know, it's a massive game. It becomes a huge game against Sydney. And on their current form, I would suggest Fremantle will probably win it. It's at home. Yeah, I think, Sydney, I think Fremantle win. I, I like Sydney. I really did like Sydney last uh, Friday night. They, they, they monstered the Bulldogs. They're tackling and their harassment. 88 tackles. Mm. And they were the winning team. And and their harassment, the, the the player, there was one or two players going at a Bulldogs boy because we know the Bulldogs' best game is that two, one, one, two, three, four hand passes around the centre square, out to the wing, onto McRae, onto his left foot, uh, or, or, or Liberatore or someone, or Bontempelli running forward, running free. They're an exciting team. They can't finish. They have no, no decent forward. Forget about Aaron Norton. He can't kick. Brilliant mark. He's injury prone. He's banged up now with his knee. But Sydney... They monstered uh, the Bulldogs. They weren't allowed to play anywhere near their preferred game. So if they, if they bring that to the stadium this coming weekend, we're in for a cracking Jack Dame. I'm not sure, just not sure whether Fremantle and Sydney is the game of the weekend. I like the looks, look of Carlton and Geelong at the MCG. It's at the same time as the Fremantle game, so we'll have to watch it in replay somewhere. But So is Fridney, Sydney Fremantle the game of the weekend or Ge- Carlton Geelong? I think, I think I Carlton Geelong. I Do think you? Carlton Jong after what Carlton produced yesterday and what Geelong is producing at the moment. And again, we go back, it is the battle of the tall forwards yeah, at either end yeah, of the ground. Ex- That's what's going to make it really exciting for Just us. Just before closing on Fremantle, I think a big story this week will be will loom or big stories around Fremantle. I've got an injury watch here out of, out of their weekend. Now, clearly Alex Pierce 
who pulled out yesterday with Late. a calf. Mm. Now, were you thinking really close? Look, we do have some alternatives. Logue is so um, if, uh, 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 versatile. We can throw him back. He doesn't have to play forward. We can play Coxie on, on Max King. Max King was sooky. He was really sooky Saturday night. He cracked it. He, he, he really spat it. But Alex Pierce with his calf, did they sort of also think, oh, he just might need you to play on Buddy Franklin yeah. next week? So perhaps. But uh, and Heath Chapman coming off waffle recovery, hamstring injury, back in action. You'd like to have his run run off half back and out or out off the wing, but who did you who would you leave out? Mm. And I think also Rory Lobb. I noticed he tweaked an ankle. He tweaked an ankle in a marking contest with Rowan Marshall, uh, and I just it was pretty late in the game, and I just wonder if he might pull up a little bit sore, and we need to keep an eye on him. But Rory yeah. Lobb as an injury watch as well. And so, I, think, I, think, would... I think Blake Akers and Nathan O'Driscoll also face fitness tests during the course of the week as well. So, and you look, we had that query about uh, from. Mike, yeah, Mike saying, should lock Fremantle away those players, lock away Logue and Banfield. I, I would say absolutely. Banfield's, Banfield and Logue, are, they're two most versatile players. They could play tall or small. They could play forward. Banfield's not so much could play back, but Banfield could play a lockdown uh, defensive forward, as I thought he did on Sinclair on Saturday night. Uh, I'd lock Banfield away. Logue is going to stay on the market. West Coast are having a look at Logue now. Would Griffin Logue be a good get for West Coast? I would say yes. Absolutely. Given what they're going to have to do, and we've said with West Coast, West Coast are going to have to come up with pick number one. Let's say pick number two in the draft. They finished second last. Pick number two, pick number 19. They've got to put a pick from Port in their mid to late 20s, depending on where Port finish, and a pick number at, say, 36, 37. So four players inside the first 36 or 7 in the draft. I'd like to think that West Coast are planning to pick up three or four kids that play round one next year and get rid of some of these old blokes that are tired and worn (laughs) out and unfit, but also an uncontracted player through the preseason draft uh, Griffin Logue. And I worked with Brad Shepard on the run home on Friday, and he's convinced that Griffin Logue won't go to West Coast because he doesn't want to go to West Coast. And this is Brad Shepard telling me on Friday. Now, I don't know whether Brad knows anything. Well, hang on. Let, let, me, let me be a bit he, of a devil's advocate. He's, saying, he's, a, he's a corporate sports boy. He's Colin Young's mate. He's, he was in their stable from the time he was about 16. He would know. Griffin Logue, oh, he's saying, sports, he's, he's with saying corporate sports. Griffin Logue <laughs> will not end up at the West Coast, because that's well, according uh, to Brad uh, Shepard. Well, Brad, there is no such thing as will in footy. Let me tell you, someone who's been a victim of it, things change and also ching ching. Depends what sort of money is on offer from West yeah. Coast compared to Fremantle or even East Coast, East Coast clubs. They're, I think he'd be pretty popular, Griffin Logue. Mm. Yes, Fremantle should lock him up as soon as possible, but he's going to wait because he's getting some good offers from elsewhere. Griffin okay, Logue. we're going to take a break. Come and join us on the Temperate Bedshed text line 0487 736 or the Scarborough Toyota open lines there for you. It's available 13 12 55.